Welcome to Cowboy Ed, the educational podcast rolling across the Wyoming frontier. So yesterday, there was the big game. You know, the big game, the Super Bowl that we all waited for. Or maybe we didn't all wait for it, but it, it's that game. So what'd you think of the big game, Carolyn? Well, I was rooting for the Chiefs, and it was just the most anticlimactic Super Bowl I've ever seen. It was a loss in the heart. It was just a real sad moment for my boys. I got to be honest. Ooh, well, I'll say for those of us that are Broncos fans, we've lived through a lot of those where it was over by halftime. How about you, Maya? Well, I was um, a little happy with how it turned out. I'm not necessarily a fan of either of those teams, so I kind of liked watching the old guy win one more time. I I echo that uh, exactly. The old guy still not just being out there, not being a Peyton Manning just showing up, but actually leading his team to victory was was pretty awesome. But we're talking about games. Let's talk about the game of school. And we all know that in school, students, as they go through, figure out that education schooling process is a bit of a game. And they learn to jump through the levels, know what they need to accomplish to move on. And sometimes they lose that aspect of learning in there. On the other side of it, we know now more than at any other time in our history Kids love games. Adults love games. And, and there are, are more game options, whether that's on a, a phone or an iPad or an Xbox or uh, a Sony device. It doesn't matter. There's, they're everywhere. And so when we take that idea of kids liking school, it's not the same. Kids like games. They don't like school. Carolyn, you're just exiting that environment heading into the environment of leading this what do you what do you think about that perception that games are fun and school is a game that's not fun well i think that that's it like kids enjoy games they're exciting they raise their dopamine levels and they get ecstatic and i think that school is a place that seems like oh i have to go sit there all day and it's really hard on teachers because we have to figure out how do we make it more exciting? How do we engage our students? Because we're trying to compete with something that is really hard to compete with. When games are only getting more and more exciting, teachers have to work harder and harder to engage their students. And just being in college and just learning the education game, I'm just at the beginning of it. It's going to be a tough road, especially as the future develops more technologies. And so I really think we should pass that one to Maya and ask her, how do we engage students at a higher level? Well, I think it has a lot to do with how we, if we think about a game, you know, everyone's participating, everyone is involved and they care about what's happening. And I don't know that we're always doing that in school. So people come and they trudge through their day and there's supposed to be an outcome, but they may not even really know what that's supposed to be. A quote comes to mind about education and games from Seymour Papert, and it says, every maker of video game knows something that the makers of curriculum don't. And he talks about the video games are never being advertised as easy. So kids don't like school. Um, they'll tell you that, you know, it's um, not because it's too hard. It's because it's boring. And, 
you know, I think that's a, a quote that I've thought a lot about in the fact that we encourage school and say, you can do this and it's going to be great. And we focus on the, the outcome and the grades, but we don't provide that engaging challenge along the way. And so I ponder a lot. What if school was a lot more like a game? So, James, what do you think? Well, Maya, the, the, it reminds me of, of a conversation with with some game programmers and, and their kind of interesting point to me that was they, they had a number. They had a number for video games and it was essentially 85 to 90 percent in that ballpark. But 85 was really the number um, that they, they worked off of. 85 percent of the time, the participant in a game fails. They do not accomplish the task. They, you know, I'm thinking back old school in Pac-Man, they die. They have to start over. And thinking about that, that really highlighted what's the difference between games and school. Yeah, that, that idea that you're going to fail 85% and you're going to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back, keep trying. And the reason you're going to keep doing that is, A, there's a social side of it. You can communicate with people. If you're taking a test in school, you're quiet. You're not talking to people. You're not working with people. It is quiet. If you're talking, you're cheating. In a video game, there's definitely that social aspect. But that failing, 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 it's almost too hard, but not, not quite. In school, we're definitely caught in, and, and that shifted. But even if a kid retakes something, even if a kid has an opportunity that they don't, they don't pass it, and they retake it, the class is still left with the intent of moving on. And now you've got different things happening and whether that, that student is retaking it and retaking it and retaking it, similar to a video game, the next level they're already following behind on. And so it, it, it creates an interesting dilemma for teachers because we know that they have to be able to fail. If we really want them to enjoy learning, all of us listening and talking about this know we have to be able to fail. But the time constraints of school make it much more challenging than that video game environment that they can play countless hours, you know, 24 hours straight kind of deal. But in school, they've got 60 minutes or they've got to finish the test during class. And so it definitely is an exciting thing to think about, well, how can we use these this game mentality, this gamification, that wonderful turn? How do we gamify the classroom? But on the same note, how do we gamify the classroom without creating a ton more work for teachers who are all, you know, pretty under underwater with all the things going on and students who have a lot of X factors outside of outside of the classroom. So this is it goes back to the same point that we've talked about uh, across education. We know a lot of the answers how to make education better. But do we have the courage? Do we have the time? Do we have the people in the higher spots, whether it's in the district office or in the colleges, that allow us to shift from what it has been to what it can be. So, uh, you know, we could, we could go on and on and on about this. You think about those games. So when you think about a game, Maya, what's the piece of games that you most try to bring into your classroom? Well, I think you bring a lot of great issues to light. And as you're talking about that courage and that change that could happen in education, I think about mindset and approaching education. And I don't know if you've ever run into a teacher who encourages our students to fail or 
you know, if they haven't failed, they haven't succeeded in the assignments. And those are amazing teachers to have conversations with because they think about the classroom activity in a really different way. And so from that teacher perspective, I'd have to say mindset is something that is really, you know, it's really critical to bringing that, you know, that courage to action. And I think that for the students, you know, they're, they're so familiar with playing games, they've done it their whole life that you don't have to be explicit, you just need to encourage them with some of those behaviors that they would bring to a video game to the learning in your classroom. And I think you could do amazing things with that. I, I want to throw a, throw a curveball at us. So some of the value of games is not the quote unquote educational games, the, and not to name tools out there, but to name tools that are made just in the sense for teachers. But the idea of those games that kids are playing, what are kids playing? Can I find a way to tweak it, steal it, use it in a classroom? And there's, I mean, to our listeners out there, I know when you listen to this, I hope you comment back to us and, and whether that's on any of our social media and, and let us know what games you're using in your classroom. But one that jumps to my mind as an example that I was just lucky enough to have a, a chance to was using Clash of Clans, teaching economics. Lots of kids were, I mean, we were fighting Clash of Clans during the day all the time. So Clash of Clans was a great way to teach about socialism, communism, capitalism, and they played. And they played and played and played with the goal of trying to meet socialistic ideals or trying to meet capitalistic ideals. And then that very abstract concept suddenly had some sort of concrete value with them, even though that concrete value was literally a crazy little video game of guys attacking each other. Uh, and, and, and there, as they get excited, you can get as deep into the weeds, if you will, as you want to. I know my students had to figure out what was the value? When we think about value, who was the most valuable character in the game? And then we compared that value, thinking of economics, to what was the most valuable person in an office, in a, in a business, and looking at what roles does maintenance, what roles does a CEO? And it, it, was, it was just a great thinking conversation with them because they started thinking, you know, the CEO really doesn't do all that much. The, the maintenance team does a lot. And so those are good conversations for kids to have as they head out. But using those games that they're using becomes a great, great option. So I'm going to, before we jump into GimKit, I, I just want to throw that back out on the table for, for Maya or Carolyn. Did, have you been in a class or have you used a game, a kid's quote, kid's game into your, into your curriculum? Well, I like to use game design and that's a rabbit hole we don't need to get into today. So I'll save that. But I just saw an Edutopia article come out that is about using Among Us in the classroom. And I think it gives some, you know, some great ideas about about how to bring that in. And, you know, if you just open that game up to kids, they've created it in real life. They've found ways to use it in their classroom or, you know, just they're so it's such a hot game for them right now. And so I think that article could really lead teachers to doing something meaningful. 
Yeah, I totally agree with Maya. Things that are big with the kids are usually a good thing to figure out how to bring into the classroom and kind of mold into a way that you can teach through them. Um, And this might seem a little ridiculous, but in my ASL class, we used a game as simple as tic-tac-toe to learn signs um, for how to play games. And I think even bringing it to simple things that like tic-tac-toe or even games that we used way back when computers and technology were just starting is a good thing to remember as we're going forward. And I think it's just good to bring it back and forward because you have to be able to see the whole picture to have a classroom of engaged students. But what do you think, James? Well, you just brought up such a great point. When we talk about games, sometimes we think about you know, the latest video game and, uh, you know, could be 3D, all these, but you brought up the fact that some of those games are simple. And I know um, schools across country, but in particular, I know the middle school up in, in Cody, Wyoming, uh, their principal and their staff, uh, Kelly Moreger up there, he, they, they, they do a whole unit in the entire school with cribbage from building the games to designing it to the math skills that go into it all of these pieces and every kid leaves with that game to go home. So the game doesn't have to be potentially the latest and greatest. It can be something that has been around for for years and years and years. The other point that you made me think of, Carolyn, is the biggest part about games is it's going to make us stay fresh, though, because we're not going to teach among us this year, next year, the next year, the next year. Eventually, it's going to get old. So we can't, we can't just use those same lesson plans, but we can maybe take the ideas of those lessons and incorporate them directly into the next game, the, the next game, how it changes and adjusts. The other piece that I think both of you highlighted with that is that's a relationship piece. To understand where kids are and what games they're playing, that means I have to be talking to them about something more than math or geography or or whatnot i have to be talking to them about oh what what games are oh and if i'm if they're getting in trouble and they're choosing a game over your content in class don't take it personal take it okay show me how to play that game show me what that game looks like what is the name can i download that what is give them an assignment with the game now they're on your side and and you could take those skills so i i think this this idea of games sometimes we think about the idea of just playing a game, it's not just playing a game. It's a relationship side. We know there's a social side amongst kids in games, but bringing that social aspect of communicating with them about what's optional, I mean, what's available and what, what they're doing is going to change. Uh, by the time, Carolyn, you get in the classroom, who knows what it might be. So we have all these things that are right there in front of us that we can grab and twist and use. And I'm going to argue, once we figure out how to kind of do it, then guess what? We can apply it to the next game. We can apply those ideas. Maybe there's a twist here, twist here, and we can work in those things so that initial lead work doesn't just create more work every, every few years. I really love this conversation, and I think that it really gets at that art of teaching and giving teachers that chance to engage with you know, what's happening in life and how to bring that into the classroom. And I I think one thing that using games in, you know, a variety of ways lets teachers stretch the way they engage with their students and the way they bring 
learning to practice within, you know, with learners in classrooms. And so I think there's a lot of potential. I did some research with some Minecraft teachers a while back and we did interviews. And one of the most common utterances that they came up with was, you know, Minecraft changed my life. And they didn't mean like, you know, they basically what they were getting at is the fact that as teachers, they looked at kids and learning differently because they were trying to use that game in the classroom. And so I think any game has that power. So I really like what you're saying, James. And I think that this conversation hopefully is giving some of that courage to teachers to try something um, in their classroom, even if it's small, or I loved your suggestion of, you know, turning it over to them and letting them make the connections. That was a fast and furious. We have so much to talk about, but this, this can't just be a one episode kind of conversation, but we've, we've came to the end of this ride and we're going to continue this conversation and you're not going to want to miss the second part of this one, but we've came to the end of our ride today and next week, we're going to get a chance to talk about a specific tool and work through how that can incorporate some of these things we've talked about, a real life example that you can apply. So don't forget to check us out on Twitter or your favorite social media platform. Uh, look for Cowboy Ed Pod out there. So with that, we'll talk to you soon. Move them on. Head them up. Head them up. Move them on. Move them on. Head them up. Cowboy Ed on the right.